You're tuned into the Plan Podcast, episode number nine already. And today we are talking about one of my absolute favorite topics ever <laughs> dogs and dog ownership. I have a dog, obviously. He's a seven year old wire haired Jack Russell Terrier. His name is Walter. And there's probably a 90% chance that he's your favorite thing about my Instagram account, and I am not offended by that. I cannot imagine my life without him. Getting Walter is arguably one of the best things that we have ever done, and having a dog is truly, in my opinion, one of the very best experiences. However, it's definitely not a decision that should be made lightly and not something you should go into without at least a little bit of planning. Thanks for tuning in to The Plan Podcast. We don't know everything, but we're putting together a plan to figure it out, one topic and episode at a time. If your goal is to live better, do better, or be better, then this is the podcast for you. So grab your favorite pen, folks, and let's make some plans with your host, Danny Bruflot from Time is Honey. All right, Danny, let's get planning. So I have been one of those obnoxious dog moms for the past seven years, and it is a badge I wear with a lot of honor. I have no shame about it. Dogs have been something that I have absolutely loved and been just very passionate about since I was a kid. And eventually that passion led me to not only getting a dog of my own, but also volunteering with a dog rescue. So I volunteered with a dog rescue called Fetch Wisconsin for two years when we lived in Madison. During our time as volunteers, Josh and I brought 14 dogs into our home. Holy moly, makes me tired even thinking about it. We helped rehabilitate and train them and then sent them back out into the world with a wonderful new family to call their own. Having a dog, really honestly, just one of the greatest joys of my life. And I know that so many people out there just yearn for these fuzzy snuggles of a four-legged companion. Walter is laying across my lap right now and (laughs) it's kind of melting my heart so I know how you feel. But Just because everyone wants a dog doesn't mean that everyone should have one. And just because you can afford one doesn't mean it's a good fit for your lifestyle. Just because your friends have one doesn't mean you need one. And just because you grew up with dogs does not necessarily mean you'll be a great dog owner yourself. My work as a volunteer in foster home and dog rescue taught me a lot about dog ownership. And it showed me that even people who look great on paper and maybe seem to have put a lot of thought into it sometimes don't understand what exactly they're actually signing up for. Our full animal shelters, euthanization practices, and the rates of owner surrender are a testament to the epidemic of unprepared dog ownership. So today I just want to talk a little bit about some of the things that so many people fail to think about when they consider getting a dog, and I hope that it will help you have a really honest conversation with yourself and your partner if you're thinking about adding a dog to your life. So I'm going to start out with just five things that really stood out to me through my experiences that I think you should consider before you decide whether or not a dog is a good decision. Number one, do you have enough time? One of my volunteer roles that I had, aside from fostering, was going into homes of potential adoptive families and conducting a home visit. I know sometimes people think this sounds ridiculous for a dog, but it was so important. Uh, Sometimes it was just really revealing. Most of us know that dogs shouldn't be left home alone for more than eight hours. 
at the same time, most of us work at least an eight-hour day often outside of the home. So once you factor in commute time and then stopping at the gym or maybe the grocery store or some happy hour plans, that eight-hour day can easily easily turn into 10 or 12 hours home alone for a pet. Really heads up. And sometimes I would really catch people off guard when I would ask them how long a dog would be home alone. And they would say, I work for eight hours. And I would say, okay, but what's your commute time? How often do you go to the gym after work? All of that. And eight hours is really the amount of time for an adult dog. But puppies should only be expected to hold their bladder a couple hours at a time. There are really good charts that you can look up online that tell you the age of the puppy and how frequently they should be taken out. Um, And I just see way too many people who get puppies and expect that they can also be left home for eight hours, and that is not the case. So please look up that information and keep it in mind when you're thinking about what age of dog might be appropriate for you. It is so important to spend a week tracking your time and figuring out how frequently a dog would be left home alone and for how long. If you don't have a roommate or a partner that has a flexible or opposite schedule from you, then you definitely need to consider a dog walker or doggy daycare and make sure that those things are factored into your budget. Number two, are you active enough? I also cannot tell you how often during those home interviews people would say, I want to get a dog because I want to start running or I want to get a dog because I want to be more active. And nine times out of 10, a dog is not going to make you a more active person. It's way more likely that you will force that dog to adhere to a sedentary lifestyle. So my advice is always to try to implement those changes that you want for yourself before you bring the dog into your home. Most dogs need at least one hour of activity each day. Now that depends on the breed, but for most dogs, at least one hour. That means a long walk, a run, a visit to a dog park, a play date with another dog, or some sort of active play. If you already struggle to fit in a a one-hour trip to the gym a couple times a week, I don't really think that adding a dog is going to make it any easier. So start the changes ahead of time and ensure that there's room in your life for the dog. If you don't feel like you're very active, which is fine, a lot of us aren't, a dog is maybe not the best idea. However, you might consider adopting an older dog who is happy to spend most of the day relaxing, and I promise that all of your local shelters and rescues have a dog that falls into this category. (laughs) Or you might consider a breed that doesn't require quite as much physical activity in order to be happy and satisfied. Those exist too. However, no matter what type of dog you get, even if it's a breed that doesn't require a lot of physical activity, all dogs deserve dedicated time every day to go outside, walk around, enjoy the fresh air, and sniff. Sniffing is super important, and I'll talk a little bit more about that at the end of the episode and recommend a book for you. Number three, does a dog fit into your long-term plans? Yet another thing that I saw a lot during my time volunteering in rescue were owner surrenders. Now, sometimes these situations are really unavoidable and really unfortunate, such as an owner falling ill or maybe passing away or someone losing their home and being forced into a living situation where pets are not allowed. Those are hard to see and, you know, it's a difficult situation for the owner to navigate as well. And I'm just really thankful that there are rescues out there who take the dogs and rehome them and help both the dog and the owner through this situation. However, and anyone that you know that has worked in rescue can probably attest to this entire uh, conversation. But another type of owner surrenders that happen so often is the newlywed 
surrender. And that is people who get a dog shortly after getting married. And Josh and I fell into this category. We got Walter when we had only been married for seven months. But people that get married, then they add a dog to their home without taking into consideration what their long-term plans are, especially with family planning. So the timeline of a newlywed surrender usually goes something like this. They get married. A few months later, they get a dog. Around their one-year anniversary, they get pregnant. And then by their two-year anniversary, they have both a human baby and a puppy. Because yes, dogs are puppies until at least the age of two or three which people don't always realize. And so they end up with a baby and a puppy. They fall off with the dog training. The dog becomes a nuisance. The dog isn't getting enough exercise. The dog is frustrated. It might develop behavioral issues. And sometimes that unfortunately ends up leading to a dog who doesn't like the baby, resents the baby, or unfortunately, in some cases, ends up biting or attacking the baby. And we all know what happens then. And who gets booted? The dog ends up being surrendered. Dogs and babies are both a ton of work. And I don't think anyone expects people to be able to do both at the same time without any issues. And I also recognize that there are definitely plenty of people out there who manage to navigate this situation seamlessly. However, it results in a lot of dogs being surrendered and ending up in shelters. So my plea here is this. If you know that starting a family is on your radar, but you're also wanting a dog, Think about how those timelines match up and maybe consider getting a dog that's already two or three or maybe four years old. Uh, That way, by the time you get pregnant and have a baby and are transitioning into parenthood, you'll also have a dog that's a little bit older and the whole dog and baby thing will be a bit more manageable. Otherwise, just think long and hard about how you're going to navigate both parenthood and puppyhood and spend a lot of time training your pet before bringing a baby home. Aside from family planning, Think about your career, your living situation, your dreams and goals, and also your relationship status and kind of how a dog fits into all of these. Will getting a dog impact your career? Will you be less willing to work long days or go on a last-minute business trip if you have a dog to care for? Would it make that more difficult? Will getting a dog limit your options for where to live? Will it mean that you have to stay in a certain area? Would you have to turn down your dream job if it meant you couldn't afford to live within an hour of your office because of your dog? Will getting a dog stop you from accomplishing any of your goals or dreams? Maybe you dream of spending a month backpacking Asia. Do you have someone who would care for your dog for an entire month? Or would paying for 30 nights of boarding make the trip absolutely out of your budget? Last, will getting a dog impact future relationships? Now, I'm kind of uh, the type of person that would probably choose their dog over any guy, but (laughs) I do think that this is important to point out because what if you fall in love with someone who has an allergy or who never wanted a dog? How would that impact your life? Who would stay and who would go? Um, How likely is it that you would choose the dog or that you could find an alternate home for them? So depending on what your age is, what your situation is, think about that and how you would navigate, navigate that situation if it came up. And here we are at my fourth point. Can you afford a dog? Dogs are more expensive than you think, and we're going to talk a little bit about it. Something that all, sorry, this is another thing that kind of would become obvious during home visits. Um, It's just that people were a little naive about what it actually cost. My upfront advice to people is to make sure that you have at least $1,000, if not $2,000, in a savings account that is dedicated to pet expenses before you get your pet. 
Before I recorded this episode, I estimated out what we spend on Walter on average for a year, and I came up with about $2,500, and that includes his food, his treats, um, basic veterinary care, so just the occasional vet visits for vaccinations, his monthly flea and tick and heartworm medication. It didn't take into consideration any surgeries that we've had over the years or major health scares or what it costs to bring him from the U.S. to Denmark. So I would say just on a recurring basic annual basis, we spend about $2,500 on Walter. Um, Is he a little spoiled? Yes, but I don't think that we spend a ridiculous amount on him. I would say that that's probably pretty close to what you would expect, especially if you use a dog sitter or a boarding service at all. And in Walter's first year, we had a few surprises. He had kennel cough once, which required treatment, and then he also had abnormal growths, which had to be removed and biopsied. So the point is, you'll have obvious upfront costs of getting a dog, the purchase fee or the adoption fee, basic dog supplies like a leash and kennel, and eventually your spay and neuter costs, along with just basic vet checkups. However, you're also going to have recurring monthly expenses that are just non-negotiable like food flea and tick treatment, all of that. And it just really adds up throughout the year. And it's a good idea to know that you have that money available. So I really recommend making sure you have it set aside before you make the decision to bring a dog home. Number five, are you prepared for a 20-year commitment? Now, I know that Walter probably won't live for 20 years, although I honestly really hope that he does. But I word it this way because a dog should feel like a 20-year commitment to you. And I think that thinking of a dog as something that's going to be part of your life for the next two decades can can kind of help you. Oh my God, I'm like getting choked up because I never want him to die. (laughs) Okay, getting myself together. Okay, but I think you should think of a dog as a 20-year commitment because it just helps you kind of take the decision more seriously. I think this helps just put things into perspective. Where will you be and what will you be doing 20 years from now? If that road seems long and uncertain and you really don't have a clear answer for how a dog fits into any given scenario, then I don't know, maybe it's just not the right time. So think about the future, think about the next 20 years and try to see yourself with a dog through all of that. Can you do it? And so at this point, I can kind of use my own experience to reflect on these five points that I've kind of pointed out to you, the five points I've pointed out to you. I feel like I say something weird in every podcast episode. Anyway, Josh and I, we got Walter when we were 26 and we had just gotten married seven months before. So in retrospect, I can definitely kind of see that we were like in this nesting stage. And since we weren't going to have kids right away, we got a dog instead. But I feel really fortunate that we were in a good place financially to take care of a dog and that things have always worked out well. But it's easy for me to reflect and see that it it could have become an issue or could have been something that held us back. If we hadn't had enough money to pay for those surprise health problems in Walter's first year, he might have suffered or died. If we wouldn't have had enough money to pay for boarding, we could have had to sacrifice some of the travel that we did in our 20s. If we couldn't have brought Walter with us to Denmark, that might have meant turning down one of the most exciting opportunities that has come our way. And if Walter was a certain breed of dog that is not allowed on planes, because there are breeds that aren't, and we'll talk about that, um, we wouldn't have been able to bring him with. And again, we probably would have had to turn it down. So dogs are incredible, but they certainly have an impact on every aspect of your life. And it is a lot to think about. 
So I am not a dog expert, but I'd say I'm more like a dog freak. I'm just like super passionate about it. And I hope that those five things just give you something to think about if a dog is something you feel like you want, you know, like I hope they're just things you'll sit back and kind of assess and be honest with yourself about. And even if some of them are a challenge for you, at least you can start thinking about how you would work through them before you bring a dog into your life. They are just some of the things that my experience as a dog owner and a dog rescue volunteer taught me about dog ownership and things that I would love for potential owners to assess before making the decision. Dogs are incredibly loyal and loving companions, and it is only fair that you bring them into your life with the intention of being just as loyal and loving to them as they are to you. So if you go through those five points and you come up with a yes, a no, or a maybe answer, then I have actionable steps for you to take at this point as far as getting a dog of your own. If your answer is no, and this podcast has helped you realize that getting a dog is not for you, First of all, good. I am glad that I saved you and the dog from an unhappy situation. So maybe consider something else like a nice houseplant or a pet that is just less needy, something that requires less time and less attention. If your answer is maybe, like this podcast made you question a few things, but you still really, really want a dog in your life, I would love for you to offer to pet sit for somebody. And I think that dog sitting for at least a week is really good. That way the dog gets kind of comfortable. They come out of their shell. You get to see what their real personality is. It also gives you enough time to kind of ride all of the real life ups and downs of dog ownership. And a solid week with a dog in your life gives you a pretty good idea of the time commitment that's required and how a dog will fit into your routines. You might also consider working with a local rescue like I did and doing fostering or serving as a dog sitter to other foster homes. If your answer to getting a dog is yes, then I have a whole action plan for you. So continue listening because I'm going to go through what my planning process would be for getting a dog. First, and this is me on a soapbox, please consider adoption. I know that many of us have a picture in our heads of what type of dog we want or what um, age of dog we want. Sometimes we want a specific breed because it's what we grew up with and we're just like really loyal to that breed. And sometimes we just really want a puppy because, duh, like they're adorable. (laughs) It's something that I myself have had to kind of get over. Walter was not adopted. It was something I was really... um, I mean, just uninformed about seven years ago. Um, But now I would definitely not do anything um, except adoption. Um, So fostering definitely helped me realize not only that all breeds of dogs are just as wonderful, trainable, and loyal as any other, but also that a lot of purebred dogs end up in shelters. So if there's a specific type of dog that you want, don't think that adoption isn't for you. A lot of rescue agencies are willing to work with you and keep an eye out for certain breeds of dogs for you. I know the one that we worked with would work with people kind of one-on-one. If you're looking for a golden retriever to rescue or a lab to rescue or a chihuahua to rescue, whatever, and they would kind of work with you to find that. I know that a lot of us also really have our hearts set on getting a puppy. I know it. They're adorable. (laughs) But I want you to know that so many puppies are available for adoption, like so many, more than you want to know about. So even if you are really set on a specific breed or getting a puppy, adoption is still something you should consider. So please research all of your options and keep your heart and your home open to the idea of rescuing. 
So while we're on the topic of breed, I think that researching dog breeds before getting a dog is really important. And this is something that I can still remember Josh and I doing seven years ago. (laughs) Not only is it helpful to learn about certain characteristics and temperaments and also their size, how much they shed, potential genetic health concerns, and their required exercise, Researching the breed also helps you note that certain breeds of dogs are sometimes restricted in apartment buildings or certain neighborhoods. I know our old neighborhood didn't allow certain quote-unquote aggressive breeds. And sometimes there are certain breeds, which I kind of talked about this before, but that are not advised to fly. Flying can actually put their life at risk, especially for dogs with a short snout, Um, so like pugs. Um, And a lot of airlines actually don't even allow them on the plane. So if you have dreams of traveling with your pet, if you're one of those people that wants to, you know, carry them around in a little suitcase thing (laughs) and fly with them, or you think that you would ever need to take your dog on a plane in order to relocate or something, do the research and make sure that you're not getting a dog that won't be allowed on an airplane because at some point that would obviously become an issue. So my next suggestion for you after you have research breeds and considered adoption and all that is to consider fostering. A lot of people don't think about this before they go to a rescue or a shelter to pick out a dog, but a service that a lot of rescues offer is that if you become a foster home, you can foster to adopt. So what that means is that you serve as a foster home, you can bring the dogs into your home, rehabilitate them, and help them find a new home. However, if that dog is a perfect fit for you and they end up being exactly what you want in a companion, you can opt to foster to adopt, which is really nice. Um, So when we worked with a rescue, and I can't speak for how all rescues um, work, but this was our experience, our rescue sent us an email every single week that had a picture of the dog and a description. And each email would maybe have 20 to 30 dogs in there. And so you could actually look through the email and you could pick dogs that were a good fit for your household. So We liked medium-ish sized dogs. Walter usually did better with females. We preferred dogs that didn't shed a lot. And so those were the types of dogs that we fostered. And so it's a good setup if you're someone who wants to get a dog and you are considering adoption um, because you can kind of look and see what's available. And I think definitely we're kind of in the discussion right now of getting a second dog within the next couple of years. And I think uh, foster to adopt is definitely the route that we would go. So next up and kind of in line with the first part of this podcast is to just make sure that you're active enough for a dog. So start working on that. Start increasing the distance you walk each day or build long walks into your into your routine. And like I said, do this before the dog arrives. Don't rely on the dog to make you more active. And then also start saving money. So build up your little doggy nest egg and try to have one to two thousand dollars in a savings fund just for pet expenses. And then finally, last but not least, (laughs) the fun part, shopping. Pet supplies, I think, are kind of like baby or kid supplies, like from from what I hear, (laughs) Um, where it's like you have to test out a lot of shitty ones before you find the ones that like actually work and the ones that your kid will actually play with. And it's the same with dog toys. And so I think after our two years of fostering and just taking care of so many types and sizes and ages of dogs, I felt pretty confident that I had like sifted through all the shitty stuff and found the things that really actually worked. And so at that time, I put together a blog post featuring my... 10 favorite dog products. And so I'm just going to put a link to that in the show notes for today. So if you're curious about like the best kennels I've found, the best toys, the best treats, all of that, check today's show notes. It's all in a blog post for you. Okay. So we're getting to the end here, but I hope that you can tell how much I like talking about this. I could have, uh, 
10 hour long conversation about all of this. But I just want to really quickly recap those five things to consider before getting a dog so that they are fresh in your head. And then I thought it would be fun to recap this episode by talking a little bit about like my favorite things about having a dog and some of my best tips. So, okay, here's the five little recap things. Five things for you to consider before getting a dog. One, do you really have the time? Adult dogs can be left home for up to eight hours, okay? But only eight hours. So don't be a dick. Figure out your schedule or else get a dog sitter or a dog walker. Number two, are you active enough? Dogs need at least one hour of physical activity each day. Again, if it's not going to work into your schedule, you need to either hire a dog walker or take your dog to daycare. Three, can you really afford a dog? My advice is to have at least one to $2,000 in savings before you get the dog and then plan on around $1 to $200 a month in expenses. Number four, how does this dog fit into your long-term plan? A dog can impact your career, your living situation, your dreams, goals, and your future relationships. So think about all of it before you make the decision. Number five, are you ready for a 20-year commitment? And this is me being an optimist, but Having a clear direction and some stability in your life is ideal before bringing a dog into it. So just think about where you're at, where you're headed, and hopefully that path has room for a dog. Okay, and now some of the fun stuff. Here are just some really quick tips and little tidbits of advice that I didn't really work into the main um, body of this podcast, but just wanted to mention. Number one, crate train your dog, please. If you don't know what that is, Google it. Walter is seven and he is still crated when we aren't home. Dogs are actually den-dwelling animals. I guess that shouldn't be like a surprise. They are actually (laughs) den-dwelling. Like they come from wolves. So like of course they're den-dwelling and anyone will tell you that most dogs absolutely love to be in a crate type home. Um, If we aren't home, Walter would go in it anyways. So crate training can actually help reduce separation anxiety in dogs, but it also makes life so much easier for both of you. I honestly, I can't imagine having sent Walter to dog sitters, you know, especially now that we've moved, he is going to new homes all the time. And just being, even if you have a dog that doesn't have separation anxiety, being taken into a new home with new people all of a sudden can be really scary for a dog, even a really well-trained one. So having that crate that goes with them that they recognize as their home and having a dog that's really well crate trained really makes that so much easier. It's also much easier to take them to a border where they have to sleep inside of a kennel. So if they're already used to it at home, it's not that big of a shock to them to go to a border. And I definitely cannot imagine moving internationally, putting him on an airplane ever if we hadn't crate trained him. So I'm really thankful we did it and I really recommend crate training methods. Another thing I recommend is reading the book Being a Dog by Alexander Horowitz. This is one that my dog, my dog, my dad, (laughs) this is a book that my dad gave me a couple years ago for Christmas, and I promise you will never walk your dog the same way again, and I will put a link to this book in the show notes. And then really quickly, one of the most frequent questions that I get on Instagram is people asking me what breed of dog Walter is, and so I figured... Since this episode is all about dogs, I could take a minute to just explain the whole thing. So Walter is a wire-haired Jack Russell Terrier, but sometimes people Google that and then see dogs that look nothing like him and think that I'm lying or that he's just something different altogether. But if you look at puppy pictures of him, you'll see that he definitely is a wire-haired Jack Russell Terrier. The situation is that 
I thought he was a really homely puppy and (laughs) I was really worried about how his hair was growing in uh, until he was like six months old or I think it was even he was close to maybe a year old. He just like didn't have very much hair. It was really thin and really wispy. And so I asked his groomer what she thought about just kind of trimming his hair. And she said, well, given his breed, trimming it isn't advised because he'll lose his wiriness, which is like a breed standard. But trimming it might make it get thicker and curly and who knows. And so we did it. We just trimmed all of his hair. And he did. He got really curly and really fluffy. And I think it's super, super cute. And like she said, it's against the breed standard. But like, I really don't give a crap about them. Um, And so basically, he's a wire-haired Jack Russell Terrier who has lost his wire. And now he's curly and fluffy. And I can't tell you that that's what would happen in all circumstances if you trim a wiry dog. But that's what happened with him. (laughs) So Walter is just a fluffy Jack Russell. I don't know what else to say. But that's the story there. Number four, uh, definitely plan on taking a training course with your dog. We did a basic puppy class with Walter when he was six months old, and then we did a series of in-home training when he was six years old and also worked with a personal trainer after we arrived in Denmark just to kind of work on a couple other things. And so I just think it's really important to understand that all dogs have quirks and all dogs have things they need to learn or unlearn as they age and as their environment changes and as their owners, it's really our job to to provide those resources and that support for them. So definitely invest in some training if you can. And just keep in mind that dogs kind of need training throughout their lives. And something else I've learned along the way is that it's usually us humans that need more training than the dog. One thing that I've realized is that Dogs get a lot better with age, and I've loved every phase, and puppies are so fun, exhausting, but fun. Um, But I've just kind of learned that dogs that are like three, two, three, four years old, they just, they're chilled out a little bit. They're a lot more fun to be around. They're easier to bond to. And I think moving forward, I would love to adopt a dog that's already a couple years old. I don't know that I will ever go the puppy route again. And so I think that's just something to kind of keep in mind if you're thinking about getting a dog. Puppies are great. You know, they're so photogenic and sleepy, but that lasts a couple of weeks. And honestly, it's a shit ton of work. So consider an older dog. You're not missing out on much. Honestly, you're kind of just jumping into like the best stage, in my opinion. Another thing that fostering taught me is that old dogs can definitely learn new tricks. And I guess that's why that's a quote or whatever. (laughs) But one of the most difficult fostering experiences that we had were two female Yorkshire Terriers that were rescued from a puppy mill. And they were both around seven or eight, maybe nine-ish years old. I think that we didn't really know how old they were when they came, but that was like the estimate. And they had both been used for breeding. So they had both had several litters of puppies. And they had been kept in the same cage. So they had been like cage mates and they were very bonded to each other. And so we opted to bring them into our home together rather than separate them. And neither one of them had ever been potty trained. And one of them had problems with her legs because she had never been able to fully stand up in the kennel that they were in. And it was so heartbreaking. And I can still remember letting them run around our yard for the first time and, um, kind of remarking that they were acting like they had never seen grass before and then kind of realizing that like it was very possible that they hadn't or at least that they hadn't spent very much time in grass and it was so heartbreaking but my point is is that Yorkshire Terriers are kind of famously difficult for training and I've had three of them so I can tell you that it is true they can be pretty difficult 
But it was all about consistency and just being kind of strict and really following through with the training. And those two ladies, they were potty trained within a couple of weeks. All behaviors are trainable and that dogs are so willing to learn. And so don't go into getting a dog with any hesitation, especially if you're adopting. And just know that there's so many great trainers and programs out there that will support you and help you and your dog thrive together. Last but not least, learn how to make homemade dog treats. Most of the treats that you can buy in stores are total shit, to be honest, and high-quality treats are crazy expensive. Like, I don't know how people charge that much for them, but I have tons of recipes on my blog for homemade dog treats. They are all Walter-approved, and I will put the links to them in my show notes. They are easy to make, and your dog will love them. And that, my friends, is today's episode. Thank you for hanging out with me while I discussed one of my favorite topics ever. I really hope that it was helpful to you if you have a dog, if you want a dog, if you are kind of thinking about getting a dog. I just hope that some of this information is helpful to you. We'll get back to business and discuss some serious things later this month, I promise. And if you have requests or suggestions, I would love for you to visit planpodcast.com and submit your ideas. I love hearing them. You can visit today's show notes for the links to all of my favorite dog products, that book that I mentioned, all of my treat recipes, and to see some photos of the 14 dogs that we fostered. It is just a whole lot of cuteness, and I promise it's probably going to make you want a dog. So if you're not prepared for that, stay away from it. (laughs) Uh, Okay, I will see you next week. Thank you for tuning in and making some plans with us today. You can find the show notes for all episodes over at planpodcast.com. If you enjoyed today's show, be sure to tell someone about it by sharing this episode with them and taking a moment to rate us and review us in the App Store. Don't forget, we've got plans next week, and we will see you then.